Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on twitch.tv slash Games, or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health in these unprecedented times, as well as how gaming affects us. If you're here with us live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show. And our topic today is anxiety and the 32 flavors that it comes in. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, who are you, fine folks, for people who may not know? <laughs> we do this every time you'd think we'd have it better choreographed than that um so i'm mitra jordan i work as a therapist in victoria british columbia i uh work with families as well as adults and couples and i love games i love bringing uh, mental health and games together in my work and helping people better understand how games affect mental health generally positively. Um, and that's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I am Rafael Bocamazzo, better known as Dr. B for long Italian name reasons. And they, I am the clinical director of TakeThis.org, which was the first mental health nonprofit to serve the game industry. Make sure to go check out some of our resources at TakeThis.org. And we've even got some codes in the chat about where you can go for that. But I am a non-practicing doctor of clinical psychology. So, but I did, you, you know, I trained with people and I have experience to draw from there. And I'm also an expert on the applied use of uh, tabletop role-playing games in clinical and learning settings. I occasionally teach other clinicians and teachers how to do that sort of thing. And I am happy to be here with <laughs> you all to talk about anxiety. I'm not feeling any at all whatsoever. Definitely no nerves. Not at all. None. None whatsoever. The, the, those are all gone. D didn't happen. D never came around. No, what's um, an anxiety? That's actually a great place to start. What is an anxiety? Oh, okay. Uh, Mitra, you want to lead this one off or you want me to? Oh, I'd love you to. Okay. You've got all the long words as well as the long Italian name. <laughs> Listen, I, have to justify, I have to justify my student loans somehow, so I throw <laughs> as many polysyllabic words as I can into things. Uh, but question for the chat. Is there a more ironic word, the English word, than monosyllabic? I don't know. But Right? Uh, the, <laughs> no, so... It, Let's let's get a foundational definition of anxiety, okay? Because from a a commonly defined psychological perspective, fear and anxiety are related but different, okay? And fear is a reactive, immediate assessment of threat right now, whereas anxiety tends to be future oriented, and it's it's that simple. Okay, fear is the now. Anxiety is fear of something in the future. It, well, I mean, for for our purposes, it's mm -hmm. that simple. Um, but one of the things I like to explain to people is that both emotions, that fear and anxiety, when they're working right, serve a purpose. Okay, that both of them keep us safe when it's working properly, I, I like to think about it like a smoke alarm, okay? They're annoying when they're going off, but if the smoke alarm is working right, it saves our lives because it lets us know that we are potentially in danger. The problem is when the smoke alarm is not working right, when it's either not going off at all or it's going off all the time. Yeah. I've mentioned this on the show before, but in the house I'm in, there's one particular smoke alarm that is so sensitive, 
I can't vigorously boil pasta without the steam setting it off. Jesus. That is kind of like that's that's kind of like anxiety in that an anxiety disorder in that it's constantly misfiring and telling me there is a threat there is a threat there is a future threat when there really isn't and, and so that's kind of how we wanted to frame everything and now i've said mm -hmm. a lot mitra take it away <laughs> no, I think that was really that really summed it up for me with the with the smoke alarm because we had one we had to disable in the kitchen. So um, I think about the internal annoyance of that experience for people as well. You know, when it's actually your own internal smoke alarm or anxiety response going off, like that alarm bell when you're like there is nothing going on, and and people often do feel ambushed, hijacked, whatever you want to call it, by those anxious feelings. They're just as frustrated with that internal smoke alarm quite often. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I actually, Trevor had a great story about this. <laughs> Trevor had a really, this, the world's worst Easter egg hunt. And oh, please. This is, well, this is such a fantastic metaphor for what, oh, yeah. for what having an, a, a, an anxiety disorder is. Mm -hmm. And I, I say this from both professional and personal experience because um, I, uh, like a lot of folks who are autistic, I have a lot of comorbid anxiety that goes along with it. I've both worked with anxiety in the past, and I, I work internally with anxiety every day. And Trevor's metaphor is so good. Hey, Trevor, what's the world's worst Easter, hunt, Easter egg hunt? So my, my mom, years and years and years ago, got these little smoke detectors put around the house. They're supposed to be like, you know easy and hideable or not not hideable but like you don't notice them as much they're little cylinder things and she set them out she didn't get to putting them up and then my grandfather found them and he went oh well these don't belong here and so he decided to put them away and i put that in, in bunny ears for audio listeners uh because by away he basically just hid them around like easter eggs and they had batteries in them and then when they started to die they started chirping relentlessly so it was just like you'd wake up one morning and you'd go out and you'd make breakfast and then you start hearing a chirp you're like crap it's an easter egg day because now i have to go find that somewhere in the house that my grandfather hid it and doesn't remember where it is anymore mm. um and that's and that is really what anxiety is like where it's just like i wake up one morning and a uh, sudden thought pops into your, my head where it's just like hey what if you're dying and I can't just go take the battery out of that one. It's going to keep chirping every so often about that relentlessly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The loop in the head. Yeah. 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 And somebody in the chat actually put a, had another great metaphor that I've heard, heard before for anxiety disorders. Uh, because again, anxiety when it's functioning properly serves a really important purpose to let you know that you might be in danger in a moment. But it's like the boss music going off all <laughs> the time and that it, that's another oh one my i absolutely God, that's so good <laughs> it's i wish i came up with that but i've seen that on the internet multiple times and somebody brought that up in the chat i never but, i've never heard, i'm thinking of walking into a dark souls room and just hearing yeah, it's, oh. it's the <laughs> boss music going off all the time and the boss doesn't ever show up <laughs> But you're waiting. He's there just around the corner. That dread. That's oh, my God. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh. Yeah. And the worst part is when you can't, you don't, I mean, it's bad enough when you kind of have an anxiety thought or story that repeats, like just a narrative around the, the things that make one anxious. Now I have to go in and talk to my boss or ask for a raise or deal with, like my partner said, we need to talk tonight. What does that mean? Oh, you know? God. Uh, right? Mm, so it's attached. Oh, <laughs> you feel that one. <laughs> yeah, don't as, we all? As, yeah. <laughs> being autistic, I feel that one deeply in my soul. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> as soon as you said that, I'm. we need to talk about something. I'm like, oh, God, what did I screw up? What did I make oh, a mistake yeah. on? Who did I offend? Yeah. And when did I not notice it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Vigorous nodding. Oh, yeah. Been there. Yeah. So what I was thinking about is the anxiety we attach to specific things where we don't know what's going on, but we have that sense of dread around an experience that has gone poorly in the past, you know, or that's gone poorly for a family member, but we witnessed it, right? And it's mm. still, still going to, you know, it's still going to hit us pretty close to home. But then I'm also thinking about those 
other fuzzy anxiety or unclear. Um, we don't even know what it's attached to, but you just wake up one morning and you're feeling that dread. And then you, what you're actually trying to do is attach it to something. You're like, I don't know what... Fuzzy what... anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's unclear, but you're like, I'm worried. What am I worried about? <laughs> what should I be worried about today? It's got to be something. Something. What that set me off? Dread. Right? Mm-hmm. And then you're excavating, you know, you're you're working through the drawers in your head, as it were. You know, it, not this. It's the no, Easter egg that, hunt, just know. listening for that. Where is that beeping? See, yeah. but now now every time I hear every time I have one of those anxiety thoughts now I'm going to freeze and in my head hear that dark souls music. It's, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> the Capra demon. Uh, <laughs> um so so what 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 does things we call this the 32 flavors. What does that exactly mean for anxiety? Cuz there's so many anxiety. <laughs> so, so, so many. many anxiety. So many that's, anxiety. That's a shirt. So many anxiety. That is a shirt. It needs to be one anyway. Yeah. First champions of psychology merch. So many anxiety. <laughs> be good. <laughs> but it's because there's so many. There's anxiety manifests in so many different ways, and you know, because it's fear at the core. It's fear of a future event and how many different things can we be afraid of? Uh, you know, there's phobias, there's social anxiety, previously called social phobia, uh, panic disorder, agoraphobia, separation anxiety. Previously, PTSD was classified as an anxiety disorder. Previously, obsessive compulsive disorder was classified as an anxiety disorder because a lot of, you know, they have fear at their core. And this is, in my mind, why anxiety disorders are the most common mental health diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, what actually one of them that uh, I saw pop up through the the chat real quick. Um, one that I, I've I've heard about more and more recently is phone anxiety. Yes. Uh, just talking mm-hmm. on the phone mm-hmm. um, is is causing uh, large forms of anxiety in people. Where it's just like I don't even know where this is coming from. And there's a lot of different reasons as well that people, and this is part of the reason that if somebody, if somebody is dealing with an anxiety disorder, my first thought is see a therapist Mm -hmm. because the same behaviors can happen for different reasons. Like maybe for me, I, I, I've got phone-based anxiety because of, you know, I've messed up, according to other people, I've been messed up, I've messed up socially and I've been punished for it Mm -hmm. enough times that talking to people in a synchronous fashion on the phone is fear inducing Mm. you know lots of different reasons for it i think with the phone um there's that not being able to control how you come across the way you can with text not being able to edit not being able to clarify for some people and Often, I think the phone-based anxiety has to do with talking with strangers or um, having to call about insurance or having to call to get your, I don't know, electric hookup or this. There's a, there's a no, but there's a whole host of yeah. things we have to do that require a phone call. Still, um, you know, where it's talking to somebody we don't know. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. there's any number of reasons for it. And mm-hmm. for, again, the same the same behaviors and uh, may manifest differently through other through uh, for a lot of different reasons mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. internally. So that's why, you know, this is why a licensed mental health professional is my first line of defense for people when they when they tell me they're struggling with that. Mm. Yeah, I think even if you see someone for just a few sessions, you'll have a much better handle on what's happening for you regarding anxiety you'll have you'll make sense of a context in which to place it in terms of your life and your experience Mm -hmm. and you'll also have some tools hopefully that um, that are specific to you things that Mm -hmm. make sense with your life where you're at what what resources you have available to you so yeah well and that's that's one of the one of the the advantages to going to a licensed mental health professional is that licensed mental health professionals are trained in what's called case conceptualization. Essentially, they go through things with you and they figure out the why for you, okay? Like, why is the boss music going off all the time <laughs> in your head, okay? Mm-hmm. When it might be different for somebody else. 
And if you can understand that, they essentially give you a bit of a roadmap. Like for again, for me, that boss music is going off. I'm good. I'm just gonna latch on to that metaphor. I'm sorry, Trevor. I thought the I, the Easter egg was great. No, the I'm boss music the one boss is really music it's really good. Um, it's it. it for me, it goes off because it might be related to a social situation that I've mm-hmm. been, you know, so re- repeatedly punished for over mm. the, you know, several decades of not knowing I was autistic. And so that may be where it's coming from for uh, coming from for me. Whereas, you know, Mitra might experience anxiety differently for or similar anxiety for, again, different reasons. And yeah that licensed mental health professional is going to help me work out that why and sort of create a roadmap. Mm -hmm. I I, I think that after, you know, this year and, you know, into next year as well, like, I think there's going to be like a lot of people that have video call anxiety because of all the stuff that we've had to do during the pandemic, having meetings, going to school, going to college, doing all that stuff. I think that is going to cause Zoom anxiety or something like that. I'm actually wondering about in-person. Like, what's it like for Mm. people taking the masks off or being in the company of others or how safe and how trusting? Because I think that's uh, people will certainly be fed up with video calls Mm -hmm. um, and may experience anxiety (laughs) now about those. But, yeah, I'm wondering about the anxiety of life um i was gonna say returning to some form of normal but i don't think that's it i think we come out of this different and mm-hmm. I, you know i don't know what that's going to look like exactly yeah. so. well it and one of the things I, I just realized we didn't really we didn't really distinguish is there's a difference between anxiety and the and anxiety disorder yeah that we all will experience anxiety to different levels. Yes. And I, I actually just did a, a, a mental health minute for take this on the on this topic that if you, if you think about things on a scale of severity from like one to 10 and, you know, routine stressors are generally within like one and five, even a mild anxiety disorder is up there at like a six or seven in terms of the impact on your life. And it's over a long period of time. That you know, an anxiety disorder isn't just a temporary thing, generally speaking. It's something that exists over a long period of time that causes significant struggles within your ability to live your life. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between having anxiety and having an anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, plenty of us get nervous when we, yeah. ta- when we talk to people face to face for the first time. But are we so anxious about it that we avoid new situations routinely mm-hmm. to the point that it impacts our ability to live? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the difference. Yes, absolutely. And what sorts of controls are we putting in place to cope with it? Mm-hmm. You know, um, because there's that connection between anxiety and control we're going to talk about. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, do you want to go over any other the possible forms that it shows up, or do you want do you want to move on a bit? I mean, I'm sure we'll get into that, at, you know, <laughs> in various ways. Um, yeah, one one thing that I would really like to hit for people is that before I, before Mitra talks about what's called the window of tolerance, because I know for a fact. Mitra has a lot to say on this Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of valuable information is that there's a difference between anxious thoughts and those necessary, those manifesting behaviorally, like think about it like a duck on a pond. Okay. For a lot of people, the outward behavior may not match their described internal state. And that may be because of a tremendous degree of effort and control they're putting into, you know, looking normal. And that in and of itself can be a problem to have that level of over control in your life that you can never really relax, even though outwardly you may look fine. So if so... I guess the TLDR version of that is if somebody tells you they're struggling with significant levels of anxiety, even if they look fine on the outside, believe them. Yeah, 100%. 
And it's really important, actually. You're validating their experience by doing so. And, you know, if you just um, show curiosity and warmth, um, you'll understand much more about what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, you know, we've, we've mentioned this from the beginning of the episode. There's, you know, every emotion serves a functional purpose. Fear keeps us safe. Anxiety keeps us safe from future, from future dangers. Again, that smoke, smoke alarm metaphor. Uh, but it's when it's going off all the time, the boss music. Yeah. 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 So let's look at that a little more closely at that faulty fire alarm system that's happening um, and how it relates to the window of tolerance. Shall we go there next? You can tell I'm real excited. (laughs) (laughs) What? Mitra. Beatrice, yes. what's the window of tolerance? Oh, so ready. Okay, so I'm going to use my handy-dandy piece of paper here. Wow, You're this is a... a therapist. You know, I, so I could... A therapist? I could have prepared a graph, but I, I kind of prefer to do this old school. <laughs> I'm going to leave the graphs to you. <laughs> All right, so... The window of tolerance is basically this idea of a kind of Goldilocks zone of functioning or operating. Um, so if we have, let's put it on here. You can't see me now, but. <laughs> All right. So if up here we have anxiety and down here we have depression. And those are two states in terms of the energy level that we have or don't have, right? Okay, we're just going to call it that for a minute, and I'll describe how it kind of connects. So we all know about the reptilian brain and fight, flight, and freeze. All right. So fight, flight relate to what's up here. Thanks for the reptilian uh, action there. Really, really (laughs) great. Love that. Um, So... If fight and flight are sort of up here, freezes down here, um, the anxiety we experience is related to that elevated state of fight flight. Okay. If we have kind of pretend my piece of paper is here, but hey, you can see me now. Um, if we've got anxiety up here and, and depression down here and fight flight up here and freeze down here, what we're talking about is this zone here. Yay me, is that zone of operating kind of comfortably. So I might be feeling a little bit anxious. I might be feeling a little exhausted. Um, it's called hypoarousal, as in a low state of arousal in the system, which doesn't relate to anything um, sexual, but relates to... Yeah. <laughs> I know I said it that way on purpose. It sets him off. I do so enjoy that. Um, but hypoarousal relates to your system being too tired and, and exhausted and really not able to do things. And when we talk about depression, we talk about it's just so hard to, to get going. So I'm, these are, I'm very loosely throwing these terms out so you can have this, uh, basic understanding of like just how this window works. So, so up here, we've got this, um, high anxiety states or hyper arousal, which relates also to hyper vigilance or watchfulness or um, that sense of being on the edge of your seat, um, being super worried about things, um, observing yourself almost too closely. Like, what am I going to, what do I say now? What do I do? All of that state is about a seven to a 10 up here. And down here, we're going to go a four to a one or even to a zero. You want to be between four and seven in terms of your ability to operate in the world. When you're between these two states, you're not actually in fight, flight, or freeze. Fight, flight, freeze is that side of ourselves that's focused mainly on survival. And I usually talk about cats and mice here simply because um, if a cat is chasing a mouse, a mouse is going to go into flight, run away, or if it's cornered, it'll go into freeze. It's not going to go into fight. It's not going to try to come at me, bro, with the cat, right? So it... <laughs> <laughs> come at me, right meow. Right meow. Right meow. <laughs> going to get you. So yeah, so those, so when we're in f- fight or flight, fight is our anger response, 
our aggression response to be feeling cornered in some way. You can be in the middle of an argument and feel super cornered by whoever you're arguing with, maybe your dad or your partner or whoever. Um, and you're going to start to respond from that place of fight, or you're going to be like, I can't talk about this. I'm gone. And that's the flight response, right? Or maybe if someone is yelling at you, you'll shut down and go numb. That's the freeze response. Hi. Yeah. So just making sense of the way those work in our system. So again, fight, flight, hyper arousal, high arousal states of intensity, freeze, exhaustion, hypo arousal states. So to make sure I'm following. Yes, sir. Basically, there's a point on. So if we think of if we if we think of anxiety like uh, uh, like a speaker. We want to listen to it at the appropriate volume. Nice. Exactly. I'm going to borrow there, that there, and run with it with clients from now on. There becomes a point where it's just too loud. Right. And we can't function with it. But there's also a point where it's too quiet and we can't hear it. Right. Exactly. Well done, you. No, that's perfect. That's right. So we want to stay in that place where we can hear ourselves. Um, when we talk about being regulated in our system great therapist terms. But what we really mean is we can hear ourselves. Um, it's not so loud that we're overwhelmed and it's not so quiet that we're straining and tired. Um, and we have the full capacity of our brain. We have the creative and solution-focused sides of our brain that are working to kind of help us function better in the world. But if we're in that state of high anxiety, we're actually teetering on the brink, if we're, say, at a seven or an eight up here, of being in that state of fight-flight. And you can't actually have access to the whole of your brain when you're in fight-flight. So the point at which we want to start paying attention, and this is why the window of tolerance is so useful for understanding anxiety, is because the point at which we want to pay attention is when we see we're getting up there. And there's lots so, of signs. Yes. Oh no, I, I'm I, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but my my immediate impulsive brain was just like, okay, well, so Mitra, what, what do therapists teach people for that sort of thing? Like, what are some of the strategies? What are some of the tools to keep you? Because I mean, we I, I saw this in the chat where anxiety volume like, Ree! yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. we don't want it to get to that point that it's just feedback in our brain that yeah. we can't think, we can't hear. How do we how? How, how do therapists help us keep the, uh, teach us to keep the volume down? So many things. Uh, but it starts with first recognizing when you're getting to that state of, or, done, you know, and, and you're so exhausted you can't function. And by the way, those two states can be nanoseconds apart because I can go from that fight state yes. to exhaustion. So, and anytime I'm doing that, I'm kind of bypassing that Goldilocks zone that we've talked about now lots. Um, and, and I'm, I'm kind of not able to get into my brain in a functional way. So when you see yourself getting into that state of I'm starting to become really tired, I'm not actually tired, but there's something really hard to focus on here. Maybe it's scary. Maybe it's upsetting. And my response in my body is to go into that free state or I'm starting to get super elevated and anxious or maybe even really irritable and upset, but I'm not quite there at that seven. I'm still mm -hmm. actually within this. What we teach people is to observe their own state, to get into before I get over here, what was it I was experiencing before? The last time I had a blow up, the last time I went home super tired or exhausted, what was happening just before that, right? How do I know I'm moving into a state of high anxiety or that exhaustion? Great movie. What's, yeah, what's, what's <laughs> going to get me there? Um, I know for myself that I experience a kind of tightening in the solar plexus. And if I wake up with that feeling, I know that there's, Either I have to be more tender with myself that day or I have to lighten the load or I just have to be aware that, okay, you need to make sure you're eating properly today because maybe you didn't sleep well and there's other things, you know. So it's kind of paying attention to those self-care pieces that we've talked about where you want to avoid, you recognize that you're at that, eh, and so you want to avoid actually going over the edge of not functioning or losing your cool, yelling at someone, getting upset. 
you know what? I quit <laughs> like that, right? <laughs> I want to get to the point. Actually, Trevor, you and me, we need to make a pledge. We need to get to the point where we make Mitra flip the table. All right. <laughs> That's so, super I, you know hard. What? Yeah, I, I would be fine with that. It's like from, a demonstration. From, like, from a chat <laughs> <It's> distance. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be anywhere near the radius, even in a Zoom no. call with that, because that sounds terrifying. No. It's, we... never good. it's never good when the nice ones finally <laughs> win their push to that point. Are we, are we worried about full Miss Biggie here? Is that, is that the... <laughs> Okay, uh, let, let's take a quick break to remind uh, our listeners and viewers of our disclaimer. And remember, if you have any questions and you're here live in the chat, you can leave those uh, and we might uh, ask them later in the, the episode. So uh, we'll be right back after our disclaimer. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Okay, so what are some common strategies when it comes to anxiety? So first of all, um, the first strategy... I mean, it depends. There's there's all kinds. So there's somatic strategies, right? Where people f- focus on their breathing or um, focus on dropping their shoulders or there's, or moving, walking can really help. Um, in fact, any activity that brings rhythm to the body actually helps a lot with anxiety. Um, so, you know, being able to put on music and dance to that, um, you might have something you really like to watch or music that you find really soothing. Um, talking to a friend can help. Um, so connection with other people that you're comfortable with and that you feel safe with can really help bring down your anxiety levels. You know, if people are doing something that they find scary, they're taking a risk in some way. Um, I often do the well, are you talking to your boss at work? But you might be confronting your partner about something or you might have to talk to your child about something stressful or you may want to um, talk to a friend. Whatever it is that's not an easy conversation, having an ally there can be really great. So you talk to someone before and about how you're going to do the thing and then you talk to them afterwards as well. So feeling companioned, um, and this talking can be via text or whatever you find comfortable mm-hmm. as well. But just feeling companioned versus feeling isolated can help lower anxiety levels. Um, and then the somatic techniques, um, as in the more body-centered ones, um, that's something I would talk to people in a session, um, just in a counseling situation, because um, those are very specific to the person. Body-centered techniques do not work for everyone. Some people would find them very difficult to implement, particularly when anxious. So maybe when you're calm, you could be like, yeah, I'll go for a walk or whatever. Or maybe if it's an established thing to do certain things, but otherwise it can be really difficult. So the techniques, the toolbox is big and you have to figure, you have to rummage through essentially for the right ones for you. And this is actually part of the reason that, um, that, again, that going going to consult with a licensed mental health provider is my first suggestion to people, because the uh, it, essentially the tools that are used are going to vary up on what's the root cause of your anxiety. And this is, you know, for everybody who's asking for who has asked in the past for specific advice in chat about your situation or. Um, will ask or has asked today, there's a reason we can't give you specific answers is because we don't know the full complexity of your situation and there's no one solution. And so addressing the root cause of the anxious behavior, the anxious thoughts becomes a really important factor in that. Like, am I not going to school because I have a medical thing going on? Uh, Am I not going to school because I'm scared of being bullied? 
am I not going to school because it's a, a performance anxiety issue? Like I'm not able to turn in my homework. The why I'm not going to school, even though it's the same behavior, really makes a difference. And so that's where some of that comes in um, to figure out uh, to to figure out what tools to use. And again, also individual individual coping strategies and style plays an important part. Mitro's talking about uh, body based therapies, somatic therapies. I had a heart back when I was seeing a therapist for something like this. I couldn't do that stuff because of my autism. I have a hard time in identifying internal states. And so body-based therapies can become really tricky for me. And also, you know, body-based stuff is overwhelming for me. So there's a reason that there's no easy solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about specific things that you can notice that, that uh, Dr. B, you said would work in terms of, of the body-based piece, which is like, um, the tells that we have in our body that we can connect to that tell us we're getting stressed. So um, for me, as I said, that tightening in the solar plexus, for some people, it might be, you know, the shoulders go up um, or the tightening in our throats, you know. So and those were some that that you said you could relate to. So this is where I think the specific becomes so important. Because otherwise, I can throw out ideas for people and they can be like, yeah, I tried that square breathing breathing technique thing you showed me and it didn't work and so my kind of understanding a person's context better understanding what's worked for them in the past or understanding what they'd like to uh, what they're drawn to in terms of solutions for them that's going to be much more important than me just saying try this breathing thing Breathing right. thing, not breeding thing. Children create anxiety <laughs> for some people too. So like, maybe stay away from the... If, <laughs> well, it's... But also, you know, we've talked about this in the past and something that a lot of therapists are going to take into consideration uh, or mental health professionals, if, if you're not seeing a therapist, is uh, behaviors that are both avoidant and distracting because they can be the same behaviors we've talked about in the past, but for different reasons. And distraction behaviors are just taking a break from things. And it's like backing up to get a running head start on tackling a problem. I can't handle this thing right now, so I'm going to take a break and come back to it. But avoidant behaviors are basically like sticking your fingers in your ears and going, la, 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 I can't do this. That's mm -hmm. the internal message that we kind of give ourselves, that I can't do this. And so um, a therapist is, or a mental health professional is going to help you unravel, is this avoidant behavior, is it distraction behavior, and how can we get you to the point of confronting sort of, if the anxiety is an irrational anxiety, how do we confront that? Because the avoidance often can make it worse, worse long term. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and distracting behavior can be part of creating control in your life to cope with something that's difficult. And that's going to be really different than the avoidant behavior where, where it's more akin to the idea of the ostrich burying their head in the sand. So, you know, so maybe let's talk a little bit about this anxiety. It doesn't exist. La, 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 <laughs> no anxiety. Right. So, so maybe we talk a little bit about, um, control. And anxiety, because there's a strong relationship between those two things, right? I can feel very anxious about some future event that I can't control at all, but I might then try to impose a lot of control in my life in order to cope with the idea of this bigger thing that I don't have control over. Um, and that control can be well-placed or really misplaced. So well-placed control looks like recognizing what we can't control and accepting it, and then also imposing um, thought through control in other aspects of our life to feel good about ourselves. So for example, I might decide, yeah, I can't control the scary thing that's happening two weeks from now, but I can make sure I'm eating properly. I can make sure I'm getting enough sleep. I can make sure I'm in contact with friends, right? These are, that's thoughtful control, right? Or um, I have a hard time leaving the house right now, so I'm going to add something helpful or useful into that. I'm going to leave the house to meet a friend. Or I'm going to have a friend meet me at the door and then we'll both go somewhere and I'll feel way better about it instead of having to exit on my own, right? So 
These are the kinds of ways we can impose healthy control into a situation so we can feel better about how we cope with it. Well, and it, it strikes me that what you're talking about, Mitra, is largely empowerment. Absolutely. You know, essentially building up your own internal resilience. Like um, back in the days when I used to do like live theater, uh, I would tell people that I do live theater and they often would say, but what if something goes wrong? And for the, for anybody in the chat who's ever done live theater, uh, you understand my response to that is, what do you mean, what if something goes wrong? Something always <laughs> goes wrong. And they and, and their response was, oh, God, I, I don't know if I could handle that. I don't know if I could handle that. And I, I realized after a while that the reason that didn't really make me that nervous is, one, I'd done it enough times to kind of have my own toolbox built up mm -hmm. to work around it. Not... It, yeah, uh, Obo Lauren put in the chat, live theater is about what happens when something goes wrong. And to me, that's just part of the process. That's not something I can frantically avoid. It's just something I have to work with. And I had done it enough times, I'd been exposed to it enough times to have enough skills and confidence in myself that I could. Mm -hmm. And it strikes me that what you're talking about in terms of control that therapists help us work on, it's, it, it is another word for feeling empowered. Absolutely. Because I think that control can feel very empowering, which is why people apply it and also misapply it. Um, but you do have to think about what you're trying to control. Someone who's, for instance, restricting um, their eating um, or over-exercising is, is certainly, they're imposing control, but it's not going to help them feel better. So... That's where we have to think about what am I trying to control? Um, what am I really wanting to accomplish here? How can I make myself or get myself to a place of um, strength, empowerment, healthiness uh, in terms of whatever it is I'm tackling? And this is why I think that it's so important to get good uh, therapeutic help, good mental health supports in place for you because of the specific nature of your own life experience. So, mm -hmm. um, Before we uh, pass over chat to see what they've been up to uh, during this episode, do you uh, have any last thoughts or any of the last points you want to hit on before we do that? Um, no, I mean, it's, uh, this is complicated. Yeah. It, it, I, yeah. I joked about that. I've joked about this before, but if there was any one solution or one suggestion we could give all of the people in chat, we would. Yeah. But there isn't. Otherwise, yeah. we wouldn't be having this conversation. And again, the complexities of this are part of the reason that we can't really answer specific advice questions for people because it would be arrogant of us to assume we know all the factors and to give you something to implement in your life that may in fact end up harming you because we didn't understand the full the full complexity of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish there was an answer. <laughs> God, yeah. I, wish I, I, so I wish I could tell you four square breathing solves all your problems. Mm -hmm. I, I wish I could. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I can think of some things that certainly make anxiety um, more difficult to cope with, right? And that's when you're not able to do some of the self-care around good sleep, reasonable eating, um, time with people who love you and whom you love, because these are the things that help support us and bring anxiety to a place where it's a little more controlled. And for sure, games help. <laughs> mm -hmm. We know yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. So... I I mean, like that—that's kind of the core reason that the show got started was gaming and uh, mental yeah. health, and yeah, a hundred percent anxiety does. You know, one of the things that does help with mine, at least, is playing certain games. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like I—I've—we've talked on the show before when we talked about depression that, like, you know, Dark Souls was the game that I went to to help with my depression that's probably not gonna work for a lot of people um I'm, i had an anxiety dream last night where i was stuck in silent hill so not all games work <laughs> yeah <laughs> trevor do you want to talk later <laughs> oh 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 let, let's get let's get real thing on it like i was stressed out in the dream because i couldn't find a safe point and all the monsters were chasing me so there's probably something there anywho but like 
idle champions. Like that one is a good one that has helped me with my anxiety because it's something that and because ADHD gets thrown in because I'm like, oh, hyper fixation. Oh, I'm just oh. going to do all this stuff. Yeah. And that but the problem is, is that that hyper fixation can also lead to anxiety parts as well. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, and it, it's uh, but like so, somebody put in the chat earlier that I thought was really good. It's like uh, idle champions can cause uh, anxiety when you don't have enough speed potions. And I'm like, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well played. Well yeah. played. That was really good. Yeah. That was really good. Yeah. So being able to assess for yourself. Ooh, ooh, hang, hang, hang on, real, real quick. Sorry, somebody put in the chat flower and journey, and I do oh, wanna, they're beautiful. Uh, yeah, Beautiful. really quickly, I do want to talk about those because those games are absolutely stunning mm -hmm. and some of the most relaxing games I've ever played. Uh, if you have a PlayStation and are able to check it out, I do highly recommend those. Uh, Journey does get emotional at the end. Yes, <laughs> I don't lovely, lovely things. game. Yeah, no, no, no. That that was a game. That was straight up a game where like I sat down, beat it in two and a half hours, mm -hmm. and I, I looked at my wife and I was like, I, I came here to enjoy things, and now I feel <laughs> definitely. Um, oh. You know what game I've been just rocking lately so hard? Hmm. As much as you can? Cozy Grove. Oh, uh, yeah. I've heard about... I've, oh, uh, it's, my sister-in-law, my, my co-host for Difficulty Class, she's playing it every night before she goes to bed. Oh, it's mm. so brilliant. It's yep. it's like Animal Crossing without the pressure. What pressure? So, so, <laughs> <laughs> the pressure of a raccoon telling you you owe him money. Okay, yeah. That's no, over fairly soon. <laughs> You Look, owe the, this you owe money this man off the bat. this man and his and his hitmen are coming after you. I'm holding up a phone that has the raccoons on it for audio listeners. They Tom they want Nook. their bells. They want their bells. Uh, also, somebody did uh, want me to point out uh, that in chat, uh, Flower and Journey are also on PC, so you can check those out on there as well. Lovely. Pokemon oh, Snap's awesome. gonna yeah. Any any really Nintendo games <laughs> like if you can play it on the Switch probably relax animal crossing yeah. got me through a lot last yes. year and i yes. still i still have a real soft spot in my heart and i still play that Listen, one it's great it's wonderful it's awesome but think of think of this this way you don't have to clean your island there's no <laughs> pressure of showing it off you don't have to collect everything and oh oh they purposely designed the game to be in one hour playable chunks every day there's about an hour mm. worth of content every day and that's it See now that made me think about buying Cozy it. Grove. Uh, okay, Cozy all right. Grove. And the art You're is really fantastic. plugging it, and it the is. art is, is fantastic. Okay. I am a fan. Boy, okay, <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> okay, let let let's see what Chad's been up to. And real quick, I do want to call it too that I saw that didn't get put in the document. I I didn't get your name, but somebody put it in there. Boss music can also mean big reward. That's not true. I play Destiny. Um. <laughs> it's very hit and miss in WoW with boss, boss music and rewards. Uh, in, in Destiny, they're like, it's like, hey, look, it's a boss. You can you get Galahorn? Probably not. Probably not. There's your own anxiety. Uh, and then uh, uh, TTRP GIF uh, uh, put in there uh, that. Uh, <laughs> so let me get this straight. The alert feat is essentially just anxious observing. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, uh, so, so don't get me wrong. I love the boss music one. And we started off with the Easter egg hunt one and we moved to the boss. one. I think we found now the perfect one, uh, which is, uh, from, uh, was it Willy Wonka? Oh my God. The name is Willy Wonka Nobi. And that is the best I thing I've, I've read. I appreciate you on that name alone. Yes. But it's just put in quotes. You cannot rest now. There are enemies nearby. Yes. That yes. is yes. the perfect one. Yes. Because how many times you've been in, in an Elder Scrolls game? It's like, oh, I'm just gonna rest for a bit. You can't rest. There's enemies nearby. There's not even music. <laughs> <laughs> and then but you walk this, for is... like five minutes, and you're fine. And you can rest. And it's you know. right. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh no, you can't. You can't save while you're jumping up the mountain. Yeah. I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> yes. Mud crabs. Mud crabs for everyone. Freaking mud crabs, man. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, Raichu58 said, I know this isn't, uh, this is not necessarily or specifically related to anxiety, but any suggestions on what databases are best for finding systematic reviews or meta analysis? Is there any suggestions on that? Um, I mean, uh, uh, the paid ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I think, what I've heard the most about it. Uh, I, I go to my local, I, I go to, when I can go in person, I go to the University of Washington here in Seattle because uh, I can access their paid databases through their library computers. Mm, mm. 
Uh, Babylon Ranger 2261, uh, this is in relation to phone call anxiety and everything. Like, There's no visual, visual cheat codes on the phone. Yes. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you get that long pause and it's just like, is it a happy pause? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That nonverbal. I'm, I'm doing, uh, I was invited to do a clubhouse chat tonight, moderate mm-hmm. a big clubhouse chat. And I... I find Clubhouse to be anxiety provoking for that reason, because at least here I can see the visual cues of when I've interrupted. Yeah. Well, it's same thing for me with podcasting. I've had several, uh, been on several shows where they're like, we don't use video. And I'm just like, that's terrible for me. (laughs) I make a lot of bad jokes and I need to know if I'm actually irritating you. Yeah. I really, I much prefer visual cues. I, I get it. Um, I will say that there are some people I've worked with who really love phone calls, which yeah. I find interesting. I think they can kind of get to shut things out and rest when they're having a call with a therapist instead of the visual. But, you know, I think that's very different than the call anxiety you're talking about, of course, um, where sometimes what helps with call anxiety is being able to put that call on speaker and have someone who cares about you. And, and knows your situation nearby. Mm-hmm. So that's that's certainly one thing. And But again, I throw out these things knowing full well it might not work for you, and that is okay. Like, you know, we're mm-hmm. all different. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. Um, this is from uh, Elfaba? Elfaba85. Uh, question, are, uh, are there therapists that focus on anxiety, and if so, should we be looking for that, or is any therapist going to be able to diagnose and treat anxiety? Both. Yeah. I mean, a- anxiety is common enough that most therapists will work with it, but you know, if you can see a specialist in, mm-hmm. a- in anything you're looking for, I, my recommendation to people is go see that specialist because they're going to have more intimate knowledge on the specific issues that you're facing that someone with a more generalized background in the topic won't. There's a difference between comfortable working with something and specialized in working with something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Anxiety specialists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, really, and I think we talked about this in the find, you know, finding a therapist uh, episode, but I do think it's really helpful to audition a therapist. Um, If you can, a lot of, I mean, I don't know about um, all over the world, but there are certainly enough therapists where I live who will do a free 20 minutes or half an hour with you. Um, And if you can do that via Zoom or whatever, um, it can be really helpful just to get to know them a bit and share, you know, do you work with anxiety? What does that mean to you? How do you work with anxiety? What sorts of modalities are there? You can pick their brain a little bit too. Why not? Mm -hmm. So. And in that and in that respect, one of the questions I often suggest to people to think about is, what are you not looking for in a therapist? Hundred mm. um, percent. Yeah. Because we we often think about what we want from a therapist, but it's equally valuable to think about what we don't want. Yeah. Um, there's actually a, a question that is kind of related to that, uh, which is uh, no medic. What a great name. Good names today. Uh, <laughs> not to say the people in the past having a good name. So I'm just saying. Uh, is there a vocabulary that uh, more easily conveys to a therapist that your anxiety is out of control and to be taken more seriously and not be told uh, breathing exercises? And and I do kind of relate to this question because yeah. I had a therapist who gave me the breathing exercise and I told her that wasn't working and she said try harder. <laughs> okay. So that that, that I'm just mm, yeah. No, mm. Super annoyed with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. no. Uh, mm. um, uh, well, first of all, you tell the therapist that you feel the anxiety is taking over your life and that it's hard for you to function. Right there. That should be sufficient. Um, and yeah. then, you know, they should be asking you questions about what's that like? What's your daily experience feeling like for you? What's happening when you're starting, when you feel anxious? What's a day like when it's ambushed by anxiety, for example? So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if you want to use some clinical jargon to really to really drive home that, since clinic, even though it's the same words, clinical speak and and you know normal person speak are very different things. Um, words like impact are one that are are going to get a lot of medical and mental health professionals' attention. That uh, the the level of effort it takes to maintain is having an impact on my life. That is one that um, 
that's one that uh, has been used. But one of the uh, just just to get real with you all, that there is a systemic problem with the medical and mental health industry in at least the United States to the point that even I get talked down to sometimes, okay, by medical doctors and other mental health professionals that I go in. And I, I'm, I literally have a doctorate in clinical psychology. I know all the words. I'm saying the, the clinical presentation for things. And even I get dismissed sometimes. Wow. Where they're like, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. You're just being anxious. That is a sign to me. I need to GTFO and find somebody else. A hundred percent. That happened to, um, actually, that happened to someone I'm quite close to. And I was advocating for them with a psychiatrist and... It, there was, I was not getting through that psychiatrist. And I will tell you, as a mental health professional, I often experience a lot of respect, actually, from other professionals, and I know how to speak with them. And this was one of those situations where 100% talked down to, not listened to, and I was like, we're out of here. We are never coming back. Forget it. This is not a person that we want to work with. So pay attention to that. I want for you to not actually have to worry about the clinical jargon. I agree. But I also understand that your situation may be different, particularly when trying to get the attention actually of a, of a, a family doctor um, versus a therapist. They can be quite dismissive. What you want to say is, yes, it's having an impact. It's having an effort. And then also you can give a clear example it is impossible or very difficult for me to pick up the phone. I have missed out yeah. on job opportunities because I find it, yeah. I can't do it. I need to work on this or I'm not able to go to school or to work right now. This is interfering with my functioning. Mm -hmm. Functioning is yeah. another one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are buzzwords that yeah. um, that clinicians throw around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And um, well, I, uh, I think that was a good place to stop for today. Had a lot of really good discussions about this. I apologize we didn't get to your question. Uh, but uh, Mitra, Dr. B, where can people find you if they want to find you on social media? They can find me on Twitter, um, at Mitra Jordan, right there. I, I also have a website, uh, mitrajordan.com. So mainly I'd say with the socials, it's probably going to be Twitter. Mm. Um, I'm relatively vaguely active on Twitter, <laughs> but if you do want to be in contact with me, um, by all means, a message via Twitter or, um, reach out to me via my website. I do respond to people. So, uh, and I can be found at the Dr. B T H E E D O C T O R B as in boy at all on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever, basically I have social media. Um, Twitter is definitely the one I'm most active on and uh, but you can also follow all the work that I do with Take This over at Take This Org we have numerous resources over there and uh, yeah uh, that's really if you follow Take This or if you want to follow me personally you're going to be kept up to date on the stuff that I am doing yeah like some cool streams and whatnot. yeah Very I, cool I've streams. been doing a lot I've been doing a lot of uh, media appearances lately <laughs> it's a busy fancy dude <laughs> uh, you can find me on the difficulty class podcast every friday as well as champions of lore on wednesdays now uh so not tomorrow though next wednesday uh starting next wednesday champions lore will be on uh twitch.tv slash cne games at 11 a.m pacific standard time and going forward on that day from then on out uh and you can also find me on twitter and all of my too many podcasts that i do uh at the trevor there's an a hiding in there uh i want to thank jay for moderating the chat as always doing a fantastic job as well as codename entertainment and take this uh for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions also i probably do want to call it real quick that jay put in the text doc don't talk bad about animal crossing demetra she's an animal crossing god uh <laughs> oh jay uh, <laughs> it's true seriously what were you thinking <laughs> Uh, if you missed any part of today's show, you can catch it later today at 2 p.m. as a podcast on your favorite podcast services. And if you have any suggestions for future topics you'd like us to talk about or revisit some that we already have and have more information about it, you can send those suggestions to champions of psychology at codenameentertainment.com. Uh, if you are live with us, be sure to come back at 1 p.m. for Bardic Inspiration. Satine Phoenix is going to be joining them. They're going to be making an awesome song. Satine's uh, on today? Yeah. Satine's on today. And Satine's going to be on Idle Insights on Thursday as well 
So oh, uh, that's awesome. A lot, lot of good times on stream this week. Uh, but uh, yeah, thank you everyone for watching and listening. And until next week, take care of yourself. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.